Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined by my co-host, Nick Polak. Nick, what's going on? Nothing much. Um, I'm finally well after being plagued with the stomach virus all of last week, so we're doing good. Yeah, trying to convince Nick to do anything last week was super fun because he just wasn't capable of like doing anything. It was a really good time, uh, which is why we put off doing uh, any kind of a podcast with he and I until now, um, we're going to have a special guest a little bit later in this edition of the pod. We were lucky enough to get Jason Kirk from SB Nation to come on. He's going to come. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, just some things that surprised him with this year's Penn State team, uh, whether or not the team's success this year is sustainable heading into next year, and just one or two other things. Uh, we're, Nick wants to talk to him about chicken, so we're going to spend some time talking about chicken. But uh, what we wanted to do now, before we get there... Uh, we're going to wait a little bit to do our, any kind of season or review podcast or anything like that. What we instead wanted to do is both of us have been scouring the internet, looking at these preseason top, not, not, not even preseason, these way too early top 25 polls and power rankings and things like that. And all of them seem to have Penn State somewhere in the top not in the top 10, the top 7, the top 8, something like that. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to talk about that. And we wanted to just look big picture at where this program is right now and where this program is heading. So Nick, I think the first thing I want to talk about is the success of this year and how sustainable that is heading into 2017 and beyond there and the aspects that are making it sustainable or will keep it from being at the level that it was at this year well i think the reason that it is sustainable is because james franklin has recruited so well since he got to penn state and bill o'brien before him did a nice job too on that front that's that's where it all starts i mean if you i'm gonna preach the gospel of bud elliott for a few minutes here but if you look at Alabama, you look at Clemson, you look at Ohio State, you look at even Washington did a better has done a better job recently, but the top tier teams in college football are the ones that consistently 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 bring in top tier talent. And Alabama's a little bit of a outlier, something like an absurd 77% of their roster is made up of former four and five star kids or something like that, which is just ridiculous but yeah well well nick how many stars did the kid who caught that touchdown at the end of the national championship game have that's right <laughs> he had he zero had, that he had zero i believe stars. he had zero <laughs> he, he actually never played football prior to uh arriving at clemson it just shows that heart's more important than talent yes well hunter renfro will be a fantastic receiver for the new england patriots one day as well um but yeah. those teams those teams that consistently and yeah obviously there will be exceptions from time to time hunter renfro is a walk-on um you'll have guys like russell wilson at nc state in wisconsin obviously now the nfl he was a two-star kid you'll have guys like uh to point at like some penn state kids trace mcsorley he was a three-star player um obviously there will always be exceptions to the rule just because you're not a four or five star kid just because you're not a blue chipper doesn't mean that you can't be successful at the college level and at the nfl level but more often than not it's the kids that come in with that more uh 
sought after pedigree, that four or five star status. They're ranked that way for a reason. And a lot of times maybe it's because they dominated in high school and it's not necessarily a um, sign of things to come in college because they can't adjust. Or maybe it's just a four or five star ranking based on potential. But there's a reason they're ranked that highly. It's because they're very good football players player and you want to fill your team with very good football players that's what penn state's been doing they've been bringing in talented talented kids just continuing to restock the depth chart and you finally got to see what that looks like in 2016 even there even there were still some holes this year in 2016 but you're really starting to like Penn State's really starting to reap the benefits of Franklin's recruiting efforts. Like so many of these players were handpicked by him or held onto by him. Trace McSorley is a kid that he had committed to Vanderbilt, flipped him, flipped him over to Penn State. Saquon Barkley uh, was a guy that Franklin targeted pretty much right away when he got the job, flipped him from Rutgers. Um, Chris Godwin was a Bill O'Brien recruit, but he's someone that. James Franklin was able to hold on to. Same story with Mike Kosicki. Like, just so many of these guys are just recruiting success stories for Franklin. And that's how you build a team. And while the nuts not to say we'll have we might not have another guy just like Chris Godwin, because Chris God Chris Godwin was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but you have a much better chance of finding the next Chris Godwin when you have more talented players that are ready to step in and give it a shot. And the depth chart right now is just full of talented, talented football players, and that's how you build a sustained winner. So I don't think they're going anywhere. Yeah, and that's like you were looking from the perspective of how they're getting talent into the program and they're recruiting well and they're doing all that. And that has, you know, 2018, 2019, those years are going to be awesome. But for the first time since 2013, 13, maybe 2012, I don't even know. Penn State has a depth chart that is too deep at every position. And the guys who are at that position are, the, are guys who just naturally know what to do there. We saw that for the first time this year. And now next year, Penn State's in a really interesting spot because basically all that talent comes back. James Franklin was able to convince everyone who was draft eligible, save for Chris Godwin, to come back for one last hurrah. And again, and Garrett Sickles. And Garrett Sickles. And while Chris Godwin, while Garrett Sickles are both fantastic, Penn State is stocked at wide receiver and at defensive end. And if there were, while, while they were really great, if there were any two positions that Penn State could take a loss like that, it was defensive end and wide receiver. Also, having said that, when you look at everything else then, that means only that two guys left for the NFL. Great. That is especially great when you remember that three starting seniors, Brandon Bell, uh, Malik Golden, and Brian Gaia, graduated. So Penn State has to replace five dudes. They have to replace a center where they have – it looks like they're going to be able to move some dudes around and do something It's uh, the interior offensive line, and they should be all right there, even if it's still a little bit younger than you'd probably want next year. Wide receiver, they should be fine. Again, no matter how great Chris Godwin was, I believe that someone of the Saeed Black and all DeAndre Tompkins, 
uh, Irvin Charles, Juwan it's Johnson. It's Juwan time. Yep, I, I agree on that. But just anyone from that group, what they need one of those guys. No, not even one of those guys. They need a group effort from those guys to replace Godwin. And I think that all four of them are talented enough to be able to combine and do that. Linebacker Brandon Bell, uh, we mentioned this on the last pod, but Bell's one of those guys we're going to look back on someday and go, man, he was really good, and we kind of took him for granted. And then Malik Golden, it looked like that could be a big loss, but Marcus Allen's coming back, so that gives him a lot of flexibility at safety. So it's not like Penn State is suffering these big program-changing losses, and they don't have the guys there to fill in those spots. And that's what makes next year so fun, especially considering the incoming recruiting class. And you could touch on this really quickly, Nick, uh, because we're going to have our four-and-a-half-hour National Signing Day extravaganza podcast to really dive Uh. (laughs) in. But there are players in this recruiting class who should be able to step in and, if not fill, fill in for those guys in ways, make it easier for Pe- James Franklin to go, okay, we had to lose a Malik Golden, but it's okay because we have, uh, you know, Garrett Taylor who could play there because Lamont Wade stepping in at cornerback and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, so, yeah, and it's the combination of this incoming 2017 class and then a lot of the 2016 kids that took red shirts this year. Um, so obviously when you're kind of looking just looking at guys who are going to be filling in the spots that um, will now be vacated, if you're looking along the offensive line, obviously losing Brian Gaia is the only starter, but then you're losing your backup center in Wendy Laurent, you're losing a backup offensive tackle in Paris Palmer, you're losing a backup guard in Derek Dowry. Um, but really what you're going to be able to do now is you're going to be able to replace now Sterling Jenkins could finally bump into that primary backup spot at left tackle. Will Fries is a guy who'll definitely be in the mix to be that primary backup left tackle or possibly even right tackle. Alex Gellerstead is somebody who the staff really liked in, uh, on the scout team this past year, Michael Mennett is the guy who looks like he could potentially be the starting center next year. Um, and then the incoming class, you have three players who are really interesting along the interior. CJ Thorpe was consistently called out as one of the most impressive players down at the Under Under Armour All-America game. Um, he's definitely going to be a name to watch. I'm, I'm not sure that any of these guys um, will make the two deep this year and therefore not take a red shirt unless they just blow everyone away in camp just because there is some really quality depth now on the Penn State offensive line. But uh, Michael Miranda is a guy who just won offensive player of the year in Ohio as an offensive, as an offensive lineman. lineman. Yeah. Well, that's pretty, especially for a state like Ohio, that's pretty unheard of. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to imagine what he could have possibly done to be, that incredible of an offensive lineman, especially like that good of an offensive lineman and that good of an offensive player to win the, you know, state player of the year, especially when another kid who is in that level of football at, uh, at his school is in his division, his state is Jalen Harris, a four star wide receiver, uh, that Penn state is somewhat interested in who's six foot five, 210 pounds and just like a monster. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy that he was able to pick up that award. Um, but yeah, he he just enrolled early, so 
he could potentially be a guy that impresses enough with enough time that he can earn his way out of the two deep. And then Robert Martin's another guy who'll probably end up on the inside. Des Holmes will probably be an outside tackle. Uh, defensive end, I think, is going to be a really interesting spot next year. Obviously, we lose, Penn State loses Evan Schwan. They lose Garrett, uh, Garrett Sickles. Torrance Brown, I think, was a guy that we were all kind of looking at this year and hoping he would grab one of the starting spots by the stranglehold. I think it was more that Evan Schwan um, took that spot. Evan Schwan played really, really well this past year. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize how awesome he was. He was fantastic. Um, but Torrance Brown now, by default, is going to be one of the starting ends next year. So hopefully we'll see um, that potential continue to flash and then you have Sharif Miller played really well in limited time Ryan Buckles on the outside but obviously the big name here is going to be Shane Simmons yeah. um, the former four or five star kid extremely extremely highly touted has a chance to be a really really special player for Penn State he needed to add a little bit of weight to kind of get to exactly where he can be dominant at the college level but he's somebody that with his speed and power off the edge, he could be like a true, true difference maker. And he could be somebody that as awesome as Schwann and Sickles were, Simmons has potential to be much better than both of them. And they were both very, very good. Simmons has the, has the type of potential to be a game changing defensive end. So that'll be fun to watch. And then a guy like Daniel Joseph, whether he's on the outside or the inside of the defensive line could be a big impact player. But the really I think I trust Penn State to find a competent safety to go yeah. along with Marcus Allen. Um, linebacker's a little scary next year. Yes. Losing Brandon Bell hurts a lot. I mean, we saw what happened. And obviously, this is a this is a result of missing both Bell and Bowen in the bowl game. But once Bell got hurt against USC, the middle of the field just opened up for Sam Darnold. I mean, Sam Darnold played a fantastic game, but things got a lot easier after Brandon Bell was out of the game. So, Kabinda and Bowen being written in Sharpie in their spots is good, but it'll be a really interesting battle to see who grabs that third spot and to see who becomes the kind of the new faces to rotate in because Penn State does like to rotate and they'll give guys playing time at linebacker position. We know we'll see Brandon Smith, but do we start to see Dylan Rivers more at the, in the middle next year? It's possible. He's going to be a guy that's going to be ready to play. And the other really interesting name, aside from Cameron Brown, we'll see how much he develops, will be Braylon on walden Oh, yeah. Uh, it, he also enrolled early, and obviously we'll touch on him more in the National Assignment Day pod, but he's somebody who some people thought he could even be a safety at the next level. Uh, he looks to be sticking outside linebacker for now, but he's somebody who could definitely make an impact from day one as a freshman, and he could be someone to really challenge for a starting spot, even if he shows up well and obviously being an early enrollee helps with that so there's a lot of really really interesting names kind of ready to fill in these vacancies left by kids going to the draft and kids graduating so it's a pretty exciting time yeah i'm actually i'm writing about uh phase on walden a little bit later tonight and i'm excited because watching this guy's tape you could tell that he has uh the instincts of a safety with the ability to tack and to diagnose plays and all that of a linebacker. So coming in about 6-1-200 if uh, the latest 24-7 numbers are right, he beefs up a little bit. Yeah, he's going to be – I I do think that third linebacker, whether it's him, whether it's Koa Farmer, whether it's uh, Cameron Brown, uh, 
that that's going to be fun to watch. Maybe they put Dylan Rivers there. I don't know, but I, that is going to be the position of worry. But isn't it nice that the position of worry is a position where if you had to put it on a scale of one to ten, you'd probably put it at like five or a six, probably, as opposed to you know this year with quarterback or the last two years with offensive line or something like that, where it was legitimately this could make or break what happens with Penn State football. So I'm very glad that we are at the point where we could just go, oh, okay, the only issue this team has is we need to figure out, you know, how the situation, which has a ceiling of not great, doesn't get to that. So very good, in my opinion. Uh, I think one last thing I want to do, unless there's anything that you'd want to add on after, is I want to go game by game. I want to look at the Penn State schedule uh, for next year, uh, look at the games the Nittany Lions have to play, and just what we think as of January 10th, uh, 2017, and how things are going to end up, how confident we're feeling heading into uh, all the various games next year. And I'm, I cannot wait to get to the second game. Uh, but we have to start uh, season opener Saturday, September 2nd, Akron coming to Beaver Stadium. I mean, Akron was a middle-of-the-road MAC team this year. Um, I don't think Terry Bowden is going to get them to a point where they could beat Penn State, but uh, I've been wrong before, and I don't expect to be wrong on this one, but whatever. Yeah, I, I expect to see a lot, of, uh, a lot of Miles Sanders in this game. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, I, I think one of the main one of the things I'm looking most towards mo- looking forward to most next year is I feel like a, a goal of this team should be to get the backups as much time as possible. Yeah. And that means I think they're going to we we saw we saw a Tutty's revolution this fall. I think they're going to try to take the next step next year, though. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I, I think there's something we could talk about. Maybe in the off season, maybe a little bit. Uh, maybe when we get a little bit closer to the season, we start hearing things at a camp and all that. Uh, just what do we, th- what we think are going to be made of guys like uh, the wide receivers who don't get the first team snaps, or uh, the ga- backup tight ends, or the guys like Tommy Stevens and Andre Robinson and Miles Sanders, who we saw them every once in a while this year and maybe next year is the big year for them. And that the big year to show what they could do, uh, especially for the running backs, because I think we're all under the assumption that Saquon Barkley won't, be, uh, won't stick around for his senior year just because, you know, there's, when, when you're a good running back, you're supposed to go get that money. Uh, we'll t- again, we'll talk about that later uh, because uh, Penn State's second game of the year, uh, Saturday, September 9th, against Pitt. Um, I think this has the potential to – I don't know what the rest of the schedule looks like. This could be the game day game. This could be an 8 p.m. kick. No matter when it kicks off, I think that there's just going to be this special feeling in Beaver Stadium because I can't – I'm looking at the schedule, and of course they want to win every game, but I feel like they're going to have – that little bit extra juice uh, for a potential night game at home against Pitt. Yeah, I do not disagree at all in the slightest. I'm actually 
I'm pulling up the schedule real quick because now I'm kind of curious too, trying to see what some of the big games that week are. Um, oh no, they're gonna go to Auburn, Clemson. I guess I guess it depends where Auburn's ranked to start the season, and, but and it kind of depends on where uh, what ends up happening with Clemson. What's what's their first? Uh, what's Clemson's first game next year? Um, that would be. Kent State. Oh yeah, then they'll be one and L. Because I was yeah. gonna say if they if they pick up an L like in their first game of the year or Auburn, I suppose if they were to pick up an L in their first game of the year, I feel like they can maybe say, yeah, oh, you know, let's go to Penn State because Penn State probably is ranked higher than Clemson heading into next year. It'll be close, but uh, that's uh, that's something we'll figure out later. Yeah, so so that week there you got Auburn at Clemson, you have um, Buffalo Boise State at Washington State, and you have Georgia at Notre Dame. We know everyone loves Notre Dame, so that's always a possibility. Um, Nebraska at Oregon could be. I mean, that's two teams that kind of finished. Oh, Oklahoma at Ohio State is that week too? Yeah, yeah, they're going to that. Yeah. So I don't think that's happening. Oh well, it was it was a good thought though. It was. Oh 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 no, I know what they're going to Eastern Michigan at Rutgers. Woo! We got it. That's where they're going. Um, yeah. So this game, uh, just quickly, obviously. So I I was never really on the boat. I was never really on board the Penn State is surely going to win and going to beat Pitt this past season. I was always. I mean, this was the game that I was most nervous about, aside yeah. from. Uh, I guess just ahead of Temple. I was pretty worried about Temple. But um, I, th- I think this might be pretty ugly next year. I, I think Penn State might go for they, – they might try for 70. Yep. I, like, I mentioned this in the last episode. I am 100% more than anything else. I want it to get to a point where after the game, Pat Narduzzi complains about how many points Penn State scored. Like that's all. I, like I want Penn State to run that little Tommy Stevens uh, jet sweep where he goes in for a touchdown, um, just that kind of thing. Like complete disrespect, the likes of which we're, we just are not used to over the course of that small game. Like, and I think the team probably wants to do that well, too. for a basketball game. Well, for well, I mean, for a basketball. I mean, if Penn State wins we'll a game to that like score, though, like ninety to twenty, like hell yeah, I'm here for that. But. Uh, I, I'd be happy with 70 to 7, that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Next up, uh, Penn State plays Georgia State. Uh, win. Yeah. Uh, and just in case anyone's confused why Penn State's playing Georgia State. Sanctions. Um, no, no, no. This is this is a deal for uh, Satellite Camp. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So Penn, so Penn State's had a Satellite Camp at Georgia State's campus at least twice, I think. Um, so, I, I mean, I... I'd have to look it up to be completely positive. I didn't because obviously we this this is an unplanned section of our podcast. So I didn't know we we're going to do this, but I'd have to look it up to be sure. But I'm assuming that this is a byproduct of that. Yeah, well, we can look into this later. We'll put our intern on it. Uh, next up, they're going to Kinnick to play Iowa. Um, could be tough. I mean, going to Iowa at any point is always going to be a little bit difficult, but. Yeah, with no C, no CJ Beathard, no Desmond King, uh, still have Akram Wadley, but a Ference will be calling offensive plays, so, eh. 
I'm not too worried. Yeah, next week Indiana. Uh, Nick, how should we uh, how should we feel about that one? I my philosophy on Indiana, a Kevin Wilson list Indiana is going to be. I'm yeah. not going to fear them the same way until I am given reason to. Um, that that being said, their defense could continue to get better, which would be interesting. But this is also in Beaver Stadium, so I'm a lot more comfortable with this than I was going to Bloomington. Yeah, which ended up being far more. Uh or more nerve-wracking than I think any of us anticipated. Um, yeah. Then the next week, a game that I am sneakily excited for, because I think the team is really going to get up for that one, that's uh, going to Evanston to play Northwestern before the bye. Um, I don't think we have to... Uh, we, have, we have to remind people that Penn State suffered a pretty uh, ugly loss at the hands of the Wildcats. Uh, two years ago, Penn had a few chances to win. A couple things didn't go their way. I think this is a game they get up for. Um, hopefully it's not one of those 11 a.m. local kicks, but I think Penn State, this is the kind of game that heading into the bye, heading into the week to get healthy before the real meat of their schedule starts up, I think this is going to be a really tough one. But I think Penn State's going to win, like, fairly comfortably. Um, yeah, the only reason it would be tough is if Penn State plays down to him because a Northwestern without Justin Jackson, without Anthony Walker is not all that I forgot terrifying. Yeah, it's I'm not all that terrifying. Awesome. Um, they, they have other good players, that's for sure, but it it's not, not all that much to fear. Um, but you better believe Grant Haley's grabbing an interception in this game. Oh, yeah. Grant Haley is going to get up for this one. It's going to be awesome. Um, let's see. Next up, bye week. And then the schedule gets really fun. October 21st, they host Michigan. And Michigan, I think, is the most overrated team in America heading into next year. Uh, not because they're not going to be talented. Like, this is going to be a really talented Michigan team. It's going to be really, really young. They have to replace Everyone on their defense, they have to replace most of their offense. I think it's possible that, again, this is a night game. I think this could kind of be like the Ohio State game this year where Penn State wins out just based on the fact that they're more composed in, you you know, when things get really rowdy compared to the other team. Plus, I just, like, I have this feeling that Michigan is in for a big time down year next year. Yeah, I I think they're certainly going to dip a little bit. Uh, that's what that's what's going to happen when you lose 18 starters. It's not all that unexpected, but they have a lot of talent on that depth chart still and I'm I yes, they're giving way, they're they're being given way too much benefit of the doubt for having Jim Harbaugh as a coach, and they're just assuming, oh yeah, they'll be fine. That that's a little they're getting a little too much love in that regard. But he is a very good coach, so I don't doubt his ability to. Um, I don't doubt his ability to kind of help do what he can to help the team reload and be ready to go for next year. I don't think they'll be anywhere close to as good they were this year, but they'll still be a very good team um, and could potentially be better on offense, but I think that's more centered around if 
um, somebody beats out Wilton's fate for the job, whether it's yeah. a guy like um, uh, the redshirt freshman Peters or even the true freshman Dylan McCaffrey, um, whoever that may end up being. But I do think that this will not be a great matchup for Michigan, and I think that obviously Penn State will have a lot to play for here. And I'd be I'd be surprised if this one was not game day this week. Really? I don't know who else plays this week. Granted, I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find anything that showed me that far in advance. Um, but I mean, if I mean, all well, let's see, let's pull up Michigan's schedule yeah. real quick. See, total, they play. total aside, uh, while you're looking this up, I, I would not be surprised at all if Dylan McCaffrey ends up winning the job. And I, I think you probably agree with me on this because watching him He's one of those rare high school quarter. Like he has just something about him. I don't know what it is. Like he's a bigger dude. He's six five, one ninety six, so he can add some weight to his frame. Really accurate. His arm is pretty solid. It could be a little bit better, but he he just has these instincts about him that, oh, like I feel like a coach like Harbaugh would love. Plus, you know, he's just a really talented player. So. If he starts, I think I'd be a little bit more worried than if Spate ends up starting. But that's uh, we, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But yeah, what are the uh, what are the other games that week? I don't know what the other games are that week. I can't look that up, but I can look at Michigan's schedule. Previous to that, they opened the season um, against Florida okay. down at AT and T Stadium. Um, just because thinking of if Michigan, will, if we're both if both Michigan and Penn State are undefeated, I think there's a good chance that's game day. But um, Florida, obviously Florida can't do anything on offense, but that defense yeah, should be pretty tough again. That's not a defense you want to break in a young guy against. So, um, then week two, you have Luke Fickle's Cincinnati Bearcats. Ooh. Who knows? Air Force after, I mean, it's a pretty interesting non-conference schedule, Florida, Cincinnati and Air Force. And it's there. There are, yeah, I was going to say, unlike this year, all of those games are not at home. Yeah. Um, uh, well, two of them are, but yeah, but not all of them. Not all of them. Um, and then they play Purdue, then they're off, and then they have Michigan State and, at home, and then they go to Indiana, and then they play Penn State at Beaver Stadium. So they'll be two week, three weeks removed from their bye by the time they play Penn State. So yeah, I don't know. I think if, if Michigan's undefeated, which they very well could be, I think there's a chance that'll be game day. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's actually skip uh, the next game on Penn State's schedule because – that one's going to end up being really important. Uh, so let's move to the week after they go to Michigan State. Uh, I like, I have no 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 idea what to do, uh, like what to think about this Michigan State team. Like th- next year, I think is a big year for Mark D'Antonio because I wouldn't be surprised if they pull out like if they were to go like five and seven. We start hearing some hot seat rumbling some. Antonio can't do it anymore. Just that kind of thing. And like, I worry about, you know, Penn state could be the best team heading into East Lansing next year. I'm looking at their schedule right now. Uh, They go to Michigan, they go to Columbus. So yeah, Penn state is pretty easily the best team that they host next year. Maybe they like, maybe they really get up for that game. Maybe they really try and, send a message that this year was a fluke, or maybe Penn State just goes in and embarrasses them. I think that is going to be a really tricky football game. 
Yeah, I think Michigan State gets better next year. I don't think it's really possible for them to be a whole lot worse than what they were this year. Um, but I don't really know how they're going to get better. I mean, they're hopefully for their sake they get um, a full season of first name's Brian, I believe, Lewerke, If that's how you pronounce his name. Um, or possibly a guy like Masai DeWeaver steps up. He was a redshirt freshman yeah. this year, or he redshirted this year. He'll be a redshirt freshman next year. But, I mean, they lose Malik McDowell. They lost Monte Nicholson early to the draft this year. There's, uh, I mean, there's not, uh, LJ Scott's still there, but there's not a whole lot of reasons to be super optimistic about the Spartans. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, so Penn State goes from a meat grinder of a schedule to Rutgers, Nebraska, and at Maryland. Let's just lump those all together. I don't think Penn State loses any of those. Uh, Rutgers and Maryland are both not going to be especially good next year, uh, even though the last game of the year is at College Park and we've seen you know weird things happen in those final games. I think Penn State's able to uh, survive both of those fairly comfortably. And then Nebraska, like, I, I'm beginning to think more and more than Mike Riley probably isn't the dude there. They need someone who can give that program a shot in the arm, and I just don't think it's him, and I wouldn't be surprised if by this game it starts getting a little bit obvious that, you know what, maybe maybe the school has to move on. Maybe we start hearing some rumblings about Riley, uh, and then maybe that's when we start hearing like, oh, hey, down at UCF, Scott Frost is doing good. Let's bring him in, but... Like, I'm not worried about it. Like, do any of those worry you, Nick? Because I'm feeling oddly optimistic about it. No, I mean, obviously Nebraska has the most talent of the three teams, although Maryland is bringing in a very talented recruiting class. Um, but obviously Nebraska is the most talented of those three teams, but they're not really anything to fear. It's kind of weird when you look at Nebraska. Like, had it, It's strange how simultaneously damaging and positive their move to the Big Ten has been. Yeah. Like, it's positive in the way that, obviously, right now, anything you can do to get out of the Big 12 is a good thing. Like, I mean, obviously, Oklahoma's going to be a favorite for next year, and they might, they'll good chance they'll run the table, although Ohio State will be a big roadblock early on, obviously. But, um, I mean, why would you want to be in the Big 12 right now? But then on the flip side with them moving to the Big Ten, they've just lost out on so many of those kids they used to recruit, especially those Texas kids. So it's, I mean, it's it's weird. It's a weird situation for them. I'm, the, it, They're kind of stuck in, like, college football purgatory right now. They're, like, destined to forever float between seven and nine wins until something big changes. Yeah. I really, the only thing that worries me about any of those games is, I'm a little bit concerned about what happens in the Maryland game if, like, Joshua Kindo comes out and he's just really fired up um, because you know he's going to want to play well for his beloved Terrip. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. Oh, Bill. Uh, I forgot Maryland couldn't hold on to a five-star. What are the odds? Uh, so, yeah, let's end this uh, by looking at the game. Uh, October 28th, Columbus, Ohio, Ohio Stadium. Penn State against Ohio State. I I don't think the West is going to be especially great next year. Um, I think that a school like Minnesota, they're on, they're in the rise with PJ Fleck. Northwestern is Northwestern. They'll do their thing. Nebraska and Wisconsin are there. I think Penn State Ohio State is the conference championship game. 
Yeah, probably. Like, and I'm worried about how much talent Ohio State is going to have. Um, I think that this is a really, really good football team. Uh, I think that in a way, what ended up happening to them this year is going to be a good thing in the long run uh, because they needed one of those years where they saw how good they can be and next year's the year where they kind of reach some kind of level of actualization and they go, oh my God, we are actually a really good football team. So I'm worried. I, there's the revenge thing there that freaks me out. There are just so many things working in their favor that I think it's going to be really difficult for Penn State uh, to walk into Columbus and win that one. But having said that, I also thought they were going to get waxed this year, so I guess anything is possible. Yeah, so as far as the game itself, obviously there's a lot of things working against Penn State. Um, They'll be playing this game just a week after playing against Michigan at home, which will be really emotional. Will surely, surely be a night game. Um, so they're already going to be a little behind in that regard. You have to go to Columbus, which is always tough. Uh, like you said, there's going to be the whole revenge factor. You know that Ohio State's going to be up for that game. You know they're going to be loud. Maybe they'll even do another blackout of the stadium like they did a few years ago, which was awesome. Um Side I, a side note, I would love them to do that because I think I'm going to go to that game, so that'd be cool oh. to see. Um, but then when I think about actually about Ohio State, the team, what will be on the field, there's two big things that pop in my mind, and neither of them are concerning the defense because I know the defense is going to be awesome. The secondary might will probably take a step back because they're losing um, Conley and Hooker to the draft. But, I mean, they, they just brought in two five-star cornerbacks and then three five-star cornerbacks. So it's uh, possible that they just go ahead and plug those guys in, and they're awesome already. So I'm sure the secondary will be fine. But the bottom line is the defense is outstanding. It's going to continue to be outstanding, and it's really young, and it's going to be terrifying for a lot of years. But the defense wasn't the problem with Ohio State this year. It was the offense. Yep. And on the one hand, you think about the fact that Kevin Wilson has done nothing but make – beautiful beautiful offensive magic everywhere he's gone yep. and that's terrifying to think about whatever yes that is completely ignoring the kind of stigma around not even a stigma the allegations and the what is being said about the way kevin wilson ran his program right now completely ignoring that hopefully ohio state did their homework and did whatever research they had to do to feel comfortable enough hiring him and didn't just make a just a quick decision without thinking about it so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt there but on the other hand their biggest problem this year was that they didn't know how to get the ball to their playmakers their wide receivers were inexperienced and jt barrett struggled as a passer what about that exactly is going to change next year i mean you just lost curtis samuel you just lost your most explosive playmaker on offense you lost your top receiver and your top arguably your top running back in one fell swoop there. Mike Weber's still there. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. But JT Barrett's likely your starting quarterback again, barring something unforeseen, something crazy. And who's he throwing to? I mean, Noah Brown was okay, but really inconsistent this past year, and even he just left for the draft. So he's still going to have a receiving core made up primarily of freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and sophomores 
who really struggled last year, rather whether it was struggling running routes, struggling just catching up to the speed of the game, or struggling blocking, just in every facet, the receiving core really struggled last year for Ohio State. And perhaps the year of growth is enough for them and kind of helps them take the next step. All those kids that were freshmen this year or sophomores that were getting their first taste of the game. But that's kind of banking on a lot. And for a team that had so many questions on offense, it doesn't really seem like any of those questions are primed to be solved. And losing Curtis Samuel is huge. Yeah. Like, I, I, I would say that if you're looking for a positive, or positives for the Ohio State offense, they come down to this. One, while JT Barrett didn't have the year that a lot of people were anticipating, he still had a pretty good year. I mean... Completing 61.5% of your passes, uh, just under 2,600 yards, a 3 to 1, uh, a little over 3 to 1 touchdown and interception ratio. That's a really good year. That's a year that you want out of most quarterbacks. The issue was everything he does gets compared to his redshirt freshman year when he was just outstanding. So. I, and throwing to guys like yes. Michael Thomas and yeah. Nick Vanette and well, yeah. I was going to say Ohio State's entire offensive line, same for pa- save for Pat Elfline, who is very good, is coming back. So while that was a bit of a weak spot this year, you would think that extra year of work and practice reps and all that will work to their advantage. They still have Mike Weber there, who is awesome. At receive well at tight end, Marcus Baugh is coming back for his fifth year, which is something I don't think enough people are talking about because when Marcus Baugh is on his game, he is really good. But I think the thing that interests me is the receivers they have in their program. The guys who were there this year, uh, save for Noah Brown, so like KJ Hill, uh, Paris Campbell, the people like that, they're talented football players. And maybe and this is what I think you have to cross your fingers with, Kevin Wilson's offenses are really good at producing good wide receivers, and those guys are talented. So I think you have to hope that he's able to, one, cultivate the skill that we know those guys have, and two, when Trayvon Grimes, who is awesome, like I love Trayvon Grimes, and I am terrified of Penn State having to go up against him over the next few years, uh, Tajon Lindsey, and just the incoming freshmen that they have who are pretty talented at receiver, Barrett's going to have some guys around it. And I uh, let me look up Ohio State's schedule, but if they're at a point in their season where, you know, they're starting to have all this youth come together, the young, talented guys are starting to show more why they're talented than why they're young, that's the dreaded game after their bye week. I think that has the potential to be a scary one for Penn State. Um, again, I think that's the again. I think that's the Big Ten championship game, more or less. So, the team that it's wins- bas- it's basically the same situation that it was this year for Ohio State for Penn State just reversed because uh, this year Ohio State was coming off their game against Wisconsin and then coming into Penn State for a night game, and now Penn State's going to be coming off a game against Michigan which will have been at night, and going to be coming to Ohio State for a night game. Yes. And is Ohio State able to 
you know, kind of get up for that game in the way that Penn State got up for this one? Maybe? I don't know. Like, if Penn State's coming into that game undefeated, I think that is, like, like that just really elevates what the, uh, just the, just what happens in Columbus for that game. But that one worries me. And I think that it all comes down to how Ohio State's young guys are able to develop. If they're at a point where they're able to be difference makers, I think Ohio State probably wins that one. If not, Penn State's going to go into Columbus and win. And considering where Penn State should be after the first one, two, three, four, five, six, eight games of the year after Ohio State, maybe one loss, maybe even undefeated. We're talking about a team that has national championship aspirations. We're talking about a team that has definitely college football playoff aspirations. So this is going to be weird. And again, we're going to try and provide as much analysis as we can during the off season. Uh, but for now, this is just where we're at on uh, January 10th, one day after the college football season ended. So we hope you enjoyed what we had to say, and we hope even more so you're going to enjoy what Jason Kirk has to say. Uh, we're going to you know, get off for one second, get Jason on here, and hopefully uh, y'all enjoy that. So we'll be right back. All right, so we're back. Uh, Nick and I are still here, and we decided to go out and get a special guest for this edition of the podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen from SB Nation, Mr. Jason Kirk. Jason, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. How y'all doing? Not bad, not bad. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on. Uh, Jason, we thought would be a good guest. Uh, one, because on a recent uh, episode of the full cast, he said that he loves James Franklin, and we're always uh, surprised to hear that people like James Franklin outside of Happy Valley. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, uh, Jason was at the Rose Bowl. Uh, so, Jason, uh, we've talked about, from the Penn State perspective, what that game was like, what being there was like, what watching, uh, you, you know, just watching kind of Penn State uh, give that one away, basically. But from the perspective of someone who was there, who was watching, who uh, didn't have either didn't have a rooting interest or didn't have as strong of a rooting interest as some, like what was, uh, what was the experience like for you? Yeah, it was awesome. I think, uh, you know, everything other than the weather, the clouds covering up yeah. the mountains and all that and the, and the grass being all slick, which led to, uh, a few sloppy plays and maybe an injury or two. Like everything was perfect, man. Like, you know, two, two, uh, two talented teams, tons of big plays, you know, nice full building, Two loud crowds, you know, um, a great game between, uh, you know, between two teams who somehow both got a bowl bump out of this one. Like, that's when you know you've seen a good bowl game when you say, OK, OK, both these teams are moving up in the rankings because of this yeah. um, <laughs> for, for next year. But, yeah, I mean, great game and, and impressed by both teams, impressed by both fan bases. Uh, great experience all around. Yeah. And uh, the thing that, you know, when I was also there, Nick. Uh, Nick was watching from his couch, but uh, I just like mentioning that because Nick had to miss out on the game. But uh, when you're so funny, Nick, you know I love you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, as like you're walking in there, I mean, the thing that kept uh, just coming into my mind was that like this just pro- really should not have happened. I mean, you thought where USC came from starting the year one and three. Uh, just getting the doors beaten off them in the first game of the year by Alabama. Uh, then just really 
turning it on once they turned to Sam Darnold. That was awesome. Uh, but then, you know, I started thinking it's the Penn State, uh, from the Penn State side of things, this team uh, decided to start the year off by losing uh, to Pitt, uh, just getting destroyed by Michigan, and then again, just turning the Jets on. So as someone who is watching from afar, like, what did you make of this Penn State season? How surprised were you? Uh, and he just, yeah, general stuff like that. Yeah, I thought it was a really cool matchup for that reason. Um, you know, the the playoff committee, you know, sometimes they're able to make these matchups. Sometimes they just end up that way. And, you know, the conference ties made for a friendly a friendly pairing here where we got two really, really similar teams who were both on hot streaks. I think nine games in a row for both, something like that. Um, and, you know, it, it, that part was just cool. But, yeah, Penn State in particular um, – I mean, I think the season, I think it made sense. You know, we, we expected the offense to uh, to be a lot more entertaining at very least. And clearly the, the young talent was there um, and the defense perhaps would, perhaps would take a step back. But, uh, you know, young defense as well. Um, yeah, I, I really did not think this was too big of a surprise. I, I think we had Penn State peg for like an eight and four or something like that. So, you know, obviously still an impressive season, but... Um, yeah, I mean, the way the season p- played out, it was a, uh, uh, you know, definitely impressive by James Franklin, who, yes, I, I've, I've said, I like James Franklin that, that didn't go over too well. Apparently, uh, that's, that's just not a thing you say out loud in public. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I, I like, uh, you know, I like how much James Franklin cares about things. Um, I think he's a good, uh, a good coach. Uh, we like to make a joke. You know, we like to make jokes about he, we, we have the sort of this character of him that we use where he cares more about recruiting than actual coaching. Um, which I mean, Hey, so does Nick Saban. So what's the problem? What's the problem yeah. here? Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Penn state, great season. Um, and you know, I, I, I could see, I could see this being part of a, uh, part of a continuation because, I mean, what 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 really is there to lose? A Chris Godwin, a uh, couple defenders, anything else? Anything else really departing? Not really. Yeah. I mean, that's it's. I mean, the big name would be Godwin, and I mean Garrett Sickles, Brandon Bell. Um, obviously the only ones that we didn't already know. Well, obviously because Bell's a senior, so Godwin and Sickles are only real big surprises. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It's something like of the. 22 starters, 17 are coming back next year, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I could see definitely next year, and obviously the way too early rankings are kind of confirming this, that, you know, Penn State at Ohio State, that's probably going to be the Big Ten game of the year. That could be the um, could be the conference game of the year because, the, uh, you know, the other biggest games are looking like Bama, FSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Um, so as far as, you know, like that, like that's pretty cool, honestly. You know, saying Penn State had not only one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest bowls of this year, but also looking ahead to next season. You know, one of the biggest games of that season. Um, you know, that's that's a cool thing for everyone on Penn State's roster and coaching staff. You know, to be able to uh, to be able to say they've accomplished for sure. I get, I have yeah, I, I have a question inspired by the last episode of the full cast uh maybe it was the second to last episode i don't don't remember but there was the rousing debate over whether popeyes actually truly represented alabama or um i forget who 
What, what school did you say Popeyes represented, Jason? <laughs> Popeyes is Clemson. That's I, think, is. I think the title game bore that out just fine. Clemson is both the weirdest, the most unpredictable, and the best. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I, well, I mean, the best thing I was going to say is doesn't that make Popeyes America? But I, I've seen that clip from the newsroom a few times that say America is not the best. So whatever. Being, being the chicken connoisseur that you are, does do you have a chain in mind for James Franklin or for Penn State? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, let's see. For Penn State's 2016 football season, you would probably have to go um, something that is uh, pretty terrible at first, but once you really get into it, is actually like, okay, okay, it's not so bad. <laughs> you know, and then by the end, it's like, wow, actually, that was great. Um and wow, that's 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 a tough one because you know it, things don't tend to get better after the first after the first <laughs> bite. I mean, that, the first time I ever went to churches, that's what I felt like. But then I went to churches the second time, and then it very much was not that. So maybe it's like um, any chicken, you know, uh, any chicken restaurant except your first bite, you're actually eating the wrapper. You know, like mm. you're actually eating the bag, <laughs> and you just got to chew through it. That's that's pit. You know, you're you're eating through the bag, <laughs> and you have eaten paper, and then you got to chew through the fork, and that's the Michigan game. <laughs> but then things are pretty good after that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I, I just thought of one more chicken-inspired question. Um, which school is the KFC Double Down sandwich, and why is it Brett Bielema in Arkansas? <sighs> um, it, oh God, Notre Dame is KFC first of all. <laughs> <laughs> KFC went four and eight. Yes, forever. <laughs> um, and then the double down. We'll go ahead, and that'll be um, <laughs> Brian, Brian Kelly switching quarterbacks every game. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we do like to occasionally uh, remind our listeners that Notre Dame did go four and eight this season. So thank you for uh, thank you for doing that. It's uh, really appreciated. I, I feel like honestly, I feel like. Ohio State losing by 31 points. I feel like that's better than Notre Dame going four and eight at this point. So I feel like whenever someone reminds me that Notre Dame went four and eight, I'm going to say, hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't let this distract you from the fact that Ohio State lost by 31 points. Especially when you combine it with the fact that they're the only team that did not score a point in a bowl game this year. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, somebody had, I think it was the Reddit college football account, had like, the uh, every Division One team that didn't score in its last game, <laughs> it was Ooh. like you know three three school three logos you probably won't recognize, won't recognize and Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm making the point to look that up. But uh, in the meantime, uh, we got you for one more question. So, uh, just you, you mentioned the polls for Penn State, the outlook for Penn State heading into. Uh, 2017, it's been a while since Penn State has had this kind of hype behind it heading into a season. And of course, like a a million things can happen over the next however many months that could make that hype either uh, grow or just, you know, come crashing down. So do you think that this hype heading into next year, it's real and something sustainable for the future? And just on like a broad college football level, when a school like a Penn State or maybe a school like a Texas or something like that that's had some down years is finally getting back to national prominence, what do you think that means for the sport? 
It's always really fun when that happens because, you know, you'll see something like, like this past off season, it was, hey, I, I think we'll have Tennessee, you know, top 20 in the preseason poll and that's, and then the immediate reaction is, oh, every year Penn State's overrated, media, desperate, that been desperate Tennessee every year. And then you look back and like, no, they haven't been in the preseason poll in like a decade. What are you talking about? And then you look at the final poll and they're in the top 20. Like, okay, what was the problem? Um, so like entering this off season, it's going to be USC is going to be the team. You know, they're going to be three, four or five in the preseason poll. And we're going to hear for months and months and months that the media is just desperate to overhype USC, even though, I mean, they, they just went 10 and three. What it, it, it seems about right. Um, and and Penn State and Texas both kind of fit that. Penn State obviously more along the lines of USC than Texas, which is, uh, you know, you're banking on. There's a lot of talent and a new coach and all that stuff. But, I mean, Penn State, I mean, I, I to me it doesn't seem like hype. It doesn't just seem like, you know, it's media serving a school with a lot of fans or anything like that. It's uh, it's a program with a, with a good head coach, good offensive coordinator, good quarterback, good running back, you know, lots and lots of young players. It's been recruiting, uh, uh, you know, a, a step behind the two powers in its division, but still, you know, top 25 level for three or four years. Um, you know, and as Clemson just showed, you can take top 20 recruiting, if you have a top five quarterback, that, you know, that alone bumps you up to top five, top 10 level. Um, and, you know, there's reason to think that Trace McSorley could be at that level, you know, by the time he's, uh, by the time he's a junior or senior, um, if he sticks around that long. So to me, yeah, Penn State, sustainable. You know, I think I have them in, I, I would have to look, I, I have them in a New Year's Six Bowl next year in the stupidly early um predictions and i feel just fine about that i have i have ohio state winning the division in the conference um more overall talent more proven more proven system and all that stuff but penn state i i see no reason that they would uh you know that they would be going away over the next year or two or anything like that yeah and we're all uh all certainly hoping that's the case uh jason thank you very much for coming on we appreciate uh your time and your insight yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So yeah, thanks again to Jason Kirk for joining us. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed uh, what he had to say. and We hope you just in general enjoyed this edition of the podcast. As always, uh, make sure you're following us on all forms of social media. You're following us on Twitter, uh, you're liking us on Facebook, uh, all that fun, happy stuff that you've heard me say uh, a million times. Make sure you show Jason some love. Give him a follow. Uh, if you're not already, that's Kind of surprising because Jason's one of the best files out there at Jason Kirk SBN. Uh, subscribe on Google Play, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on SoundCloud. Leave us a review or two. That would be really cool of you. And give us a little five-star rating if you think we deserve it. Uh, buy some shirts. We have the shirts that we have, of course. And we also have some uh, – we're cooking up some things, hopefully, over the next few weeks without uh, – giving too terribly much away. Uh, if you're a Penn State hockey fan, I think you're going to like what we have coming down the pipeline if all goes right. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have a basketball podcast a little bit later for you this week. I hope you all enjoy that, just like I hope you all enjoyed this edition of the podcast. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I am Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Lamont. Hi.